Praise God. Well, it's so good to see you today. Are you ready to hear a word from the Lord? Okay. Let's take our Bibles. Philippians chapter number 3. This will be on the screen. Thank God we have so much of the Word of God. We have it on our, our smart devices. We have it on our phones. We have it in our hands. We have it on the screen. Let's commit ourselves to being a people of the Word of the Lord. Remember I told you last week that everything is subject to the Holy Spirit. That's the way it must be. That's the way it's going to be at Trinity Life Church. Everything we want to be led by the Holy Spirit. Do you know that Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit? You say, how do you know? I know because he said words like this. I do nothing except what I see my father do. So that, I take that to mean that he waited on the heavenly father and he would sense the leading of the Lord in some way and that he would follow that. And I said this last week, everything is subject to the Holy Spirit. You know, many of the plans are man, but we want the Lord to be the one that directs. I had planned to bring a series of messages and I'm having sermon backup now because, because the Lord is not letting me get away with, from what we talked about last week, but I have all these other sermons. So I may, I don't know, we may never end. But, but I, want, I have to go back to what we talked about last week because I, I sense very strongly the Holy Spirit is not through speaking to many of you in this room. We need this. Paul is writing from a prison. Not one of our prisons, you see. Paul is writing from a prison that doesn't have air conditioning or three meals a day, doesn't have a nice, comfortable bed or some kind of bed with a pillow and a blanket. Paul was in the kind of prison that if people didn't come and help him from the outside, you just didn't survive in that day. Paul's in prison. He's in prison for Christ. We could say it this way. He's in prison for his deep dedication, not just to Christ, but to Christ's work, Christ's church. See, Paul didn't believe like our independent American Christian church believes. Oh, I have this personal salvation. My friend, very few things are personal in the Christian church. The moment you got saved, you got connected to the body of Christ. And we have a responsibility. And we, each of us, have an obligation. This must hurt the heart of God. For those people that in our American culture today, they, they, what we're looking for is more convenience. But that's not what the New Testament church was all about. We want more convenience. I'll go to church if it's convenient. I'll do this if it's convenient, if it fits into my schedule. But from the very beginning of true, pure Christianity coming from, our, from the bleeding side and the death and the burial and the resurrection of our Lord. If you want to follow me, Jesus said, you must take up your cross. And so here's Paul in prison. He's in prison, not for any personal thing, but for, hear this, his deep love 
for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, so much, so greatly committed was he that he even said one time that I'm, I'm going to complete the sufferings of Christ. Now, he wasn't talking about in a vicarious way or that the redemption of Jesus wasn't enough, but he was talking about that to do God's work, there's going to be suffering. There's going to be some pain. There's going to be some different. In fact, all that live godly in Christ Jesus are going to suffer and going to have persecution at some level in their life. If you're following him, that's going to happen sometimes. So Paul's in prison. One of the greatest evidences of Christianity is changed lives. There's probably never been a, spec a greater specimen or a greater trophy of Christianity than the great apostle Paul. Jesus is in the life-changing business. He changed my life. He changed my life. And in one of the greatest changes that we've ever seen, the Bible is such an incredible book. It's such an exciting book. It's such an incredible miracle book that a man that hated Jesus, hated the church, hated Christianity, did everything he could to stamp out Christianity, became the greatest support of the church, became the greatest Christian to ever live, maybe, became the great apostle Paul who gave us 14 books of the New Testament. How can that happen? How can someone make that 180? Because he met Jesus on the Damascus Road. And if you've ever got a glimpse of a true Jesus, I tell you, you want nothing else. I want nothing else. I want him. I want him more. I don't want a Sunday Jesus. Curse that kind of thing. I don't want a Sunday Jesus. I don't want some convenient Jesus. I want the real Jesus. I want the Jesus of the Bible. And that's the church he's going to raise up here in this place. And he writes something amazing. Now, Paul, still introduction here, listen. I've seen so many Christians in my life that start out with a, 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 a bang, if I could, you understand what I'm saying. They start out, they're going to win the world. They're going to they're put out hell with a squirt gun. But where are they today? Where are those ones that used to witness for Christ? Where are those ones that had such a passion and such a love that overflowed that it drove them to a prayer meeting? To come and get on their face at the church, not to pray, oh, give me, give me, give me, God, I've got this. It's like their, their checkoff list. Lord, I, I've got this need and that need in my business, and my, I'm feeling good, and I'm depressed, and all this and that. That's not what you'd hear Paul praying. Go, one of the great studies, and I preached on some of this, is Paul's prayers. Go through the New Testament and just dig out Paul's prayers. They're so full of truth. They're so full of God's will. But prayer meetings that are praying for the advancement of God's work, praying for the advancement of missions, praying for the advancement of the cause of the church in a city, that, that we would burn brightly and be a light on this property, that everyone that drives by this place would see that God is alive here because this parking lot is filled today. This place is filled today, and it's going to get more filled today because people are coming to be saved. 
I've been praying this. As Isaiah said, he said, we're going to take root downward and we're going to bear fruit upward. Would you pray that with me? That's, that's the 37th chapter of Isaiah. We're going to take root downward and we're going to bear fruit upward. We're going to get stronger and more stable in Jesus and his word, more faithful in our lives. And then guess what? We're going to bear fruit upward. It's going to happen. But you know, you look at some folks and 10, 12, 15 years and the love's gone. The passion's gone. The fire's gone. Where are those people today? Well, Paul is not of that stripe. Paul is not of that brand. You say, how do you know? Because when you read these prison epistles, now you know what I'm talking about, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, etc., the Timothys, those are prison letters or the prison epistles, then you have the personal letters. But those are written in prison. Now, if you and I were going to write in prison a letter, we'd be writing to the governor, I'm innocent, get me out of here. I'm, they're not feeding me right. I need some Twinkies up in here. You know, give me bread and water. You know, <laughs> it's cold in here. And, and, and you know, this, 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 this bed, this, it hurts me. And, and you know, I, I, but hey, and, and bring me some chocolate. They don't give you any chocolate in here. And, and I'm, you know, we, it, you know that's, how, that's how normal carnal thinking is. But when you get in your mind, these books were written in prison, in a Mamertine prison in Rome. And here's what I'm going to tell you. Paul's heart, it never, his, let me say it this way. Paul's spiritual fervor, his spiritual passion never diminished. It never diminished. It just got brighter and brighter and brighter and stronger. To Paul, toward the end of his life, he could say things, and not my text. I'll read this third chapter in a moment. But, but listen, to the, listen to a man like this. How many Christians do you know like this? That Paul says this, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. That's 121. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Everything in my life is about Christ. Nothing is worth living. Christ. In the morning, Christ. At noon, Christ. In the evening, Christ. When I go to bed, Christ. When I wake up, Christ. For me to live. Everything, everything is Christ. Because in that moment, when I said, Jesus, be the Lord of my life, I wasn't looking for some eternal insurance policy to not go to hell. You understand, to not go to hell is a fringe benefit. Pretty good one, by the way, let me say. But... You realize it's serving Christ is a life of constant surrender, a life, life of new dedications. You say, no, 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 listen, not between revival meetings, not between Sundays. Oh, I need to go to church. I'm about to backslide and sin. No, I'm talking about every moment Christ's life. Paul was such an amazing person. I want what he had. Paul in prison writes these words in the third chapter. We'll begin in verse 12 again. Not, not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected. Not finished with me yet. I'm not there yet. Now, I'm going to tell you, Paul's not there. I'm, I'm way not there. How about you? 
When I look at this man, when I read his writings and the things he went through, and he says, I'm just rejoicing through all that, I think, oh, boy, I missed it. Then he said, but this, but, but I press. I press. I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, and here it is, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press, there's the second time, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Forgetting and reaching. Could you just say that quietly? Forgetting. Forgetting and reaching. Two opposite, polar opposites. Forgetting and reaching. You can't do both at the same time. Or maybe we should say we should be doing both at the same time in a sense. We're usually in one or two directions. But I, I want to talk a little bit more about forgetting because this is not out of my heart. Forgetting those things. Remember what I told you last week? The things that we need to forget are what? Personal sins, guilt, and past shame of things we've already confessed, already repented of, and have already received the great forgiveness of God. It's a fact. It's a reality. I'm not talking about something that you're in and you're keeping on doing it and you're, you're in it and you're like, oh, well, God's merciful. You don't care. No, 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 no. I'm talking about something we've turned from. We've been cleansed. We've received his mercy. We need to forget those things. Hear this? I'm, gonna, I'm not going to stay here long, but I'm just going to tell you, we need to stop allowing the enemy to pull out an old file and to bring shame. God has removed shame from his people. I heard, I heard of a, a man who said, I, I, he said, I, I'm old and, and I have trouble remembering three things. He said, I, I have trouble remembering names. I have trouble remembering faces. And I have trouble remembering the third thing that I was just supposed to remember. <laughs> well, there are some things that I hope that were a lot like that. Because the Lord, I, I read this verse this week, a couple of verses says, Revelation 5, 1 and 5, from Christ, from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, from the, firstborn, from the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth. Now notice this, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. I love that verse. He washed us from our sins in his own blood. We are clean today. We are clean. It's a wonderful thing to feel clean. And we are clean through what Jesus has done. Leave it alone. Put it behind you. I won't go back to that. But I, want to tell, I do want to say this to you. Here's what Isaiah said, 54.4. Do not fear. Listen to me. This is for someone. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame, for you, for you, uh, for you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. Joel said this in 2.26, You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and, and praise the name of the Lord your God 
who has dealt wonderfully with you in my people shall never be put to shame. Let God remove that shame. He has removed that shame. We are clean. We are redeemed. We are the Father's children. Come on. Abba, Father, no condemnation. How? To those who are in Christ Jesus, forgetting those things. I'm going to leave that alone. Here's the second thing that I want, I'm going to deal with this. Pretty much this is what I want to deal with today because I felt this very strongly this week. This is for several people. This is for several people in this room. We not only need to forget sins and shame and, and these things that we've been forgiven, but here's the second thing. We need to forget defeats, failures, and the losses of the past. Now, these are a little bit different than what I just said. I want you to hear this. Defeats, failures, and losses of the past. I want you to look with me into an Old Testament passage. We're going to camp here for just a bit. This is in second, or First Samuel chapter 30. First Samuel chapter number 30. This is a loss in the life of David. All of us, listen to me, all of us have experienced losses of some measure in our lives. You don't go through this life without experiencing losses. Even the great King David, we're going to look at 1 Samuel 30, and I'm going to read you a few verses, and I'm going to show you a loss in the life of David. But most of us don't deal with losses correctly. Some of you today in this room, you are stuck in a past loss. It's lodged in your memory like a stronghold, and somehow you can't get over it. But I believe with all my heart, this passage that Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind are, are, is not some, just some mental exercise. I believe our Lord Jesus Christ, when he burst out of that tomb, he offers us victory in every avenue of our lives. Not just in personal sins, but in failures and losses that we've experienced. Now, here's what we have. We have David at Ziklag. That's kind of a cool name, Ziklag. It was a place in Israel, or in Philistine territory, rather. Now, some commentators say that this loss in David's life could be a judgment from the Lord because David now has joined the Philistines. Let me, let me warn you. If you're listening, say amen. amen. Let me warn you that when you face difficulty... The, 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 when, when the pressure's on and you don't know what to do and pressure's on, the temptation for every one of us is to try to take things in our own hands and to begin to take steps to try to fix it on our own. Big mistake. We can see it all through the scripture. Good, godly people trying to do things on their own. Abraham, he tried to fulfill the promise, but in carnal ways. Look at the Muslim issue in the nation, in the world today. Okay. Look at, look at great Joshua, the great general, when he didn't pray about a situation with the, with the tribe that deceived him. If he would have prayed, the Lord would have showed him. What about the AI situation where the, they thought they were just self-confident? They didn't wait on God. I don't care if it's a big battle, a little battle. Everything needs to be submitted to the Lord because you can get into a pickle really quick. Now that, that's not a quotation of the Bible. That, in a pickle real quick is a proverbial thing that says you can get in a mess. Come on, you know what I'm saying? Some of you may be in a mess, or maybe I'm just helping you to not get into a mess this week. But here's David. 
Now, here's, here's the backstory. I'm not going to give it long, but basically Saul has been pursuing David. It's gone on for a very long time, and basically he came to a point, if, if, if this keeps on, Saul's going to get me. If this keeps on, if, if I, keep, I can't dodge Saul forever, in a sense, is what he's saying. Saul's trying to destroy him. But I can tell you, that thought did not come from the Lord. Because the Lord can protect you in every and any situation. I don't care how long it's been on or what it is or how tough it is. The Lord is our shield and our protector. Scripture says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. If you're a child of God, you are safe. You are safe. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, but of love, and of a sound mind. You're safe. And here's David, and something got lodged in his thinking. And, and earlier on, he said, if this keeps on, I, Saul's just going to destroy me. So he takes, he didn't pray about it. He didn't wait on the Lord. He took it into his own hands. And he said, I'll just go over to the Philistine side. I just, I, wanna, I want the pressure to be off. Have you ever been gone through stuff so long you thought, I just want the pressure to be off? Tired of this battle. Tired of dealing with this. It's gone on so long. I'm tired of dealing with this. That we've all been there. That's what David's feeling. So David goes over and starts fighting for the bitter enemies of Israel. I mean, Goliath came from the Philistines. And here's David over. Now he's joined them and fighting them. Now, he, he did go out and secretly he's killing Israel's enemies so he's, he's living a double life here in a sense. So some commentators believe that, that what I'm going to read you, hear this, this loss was a judgment of God's discipline on his life for fighting with the Philistines and joining them. The Bible doesn't say that, but I would have to say it indicates it. As you read the Bible in totality, you have to say, okay, yeah, this, this may, but, but let, let me tell you this. I want to say this before I read this. No matter where you are today, no matter how, how you got there, whether you did it to yourself, whether somebody did it to you, or whether it's just a circumstance that just happens and sometimes they happen and there's no explanation for them, the secret things belong to the Lord, it doesn't, maybe, maybe, you're, maybe it's your fault. Maybe you can look in the mirror and say, I'm where I am today because of that person in the mirror. I made choices against the word of God. Listen to me. No matter where you are, how you got there, how long you've been there, if you will stop a moment and submit it to God, God can take those things and he can transform them and he can bring his people out. Come on, he can bring his people out. He's a God that is merciful. But we have to respond. Now, look, look at the loss here. It's a big loss. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1. Now, it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag. Now, they've been out fighting. They've been out fighting, and now they come back to camp. They go to work in the morning, and now here they come back. And look at the devastation. And on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south of Ziklag, attacked Ziklag, burned it with fire, and had taken captive. Notice... The women, those who were there, from small to great, they did not kill anyone, but they carried them away, and they went their way. Can you imagine coming home to that? Com cities burned. What would you happen if you came home and your house is burned down? First thing you would think, oh, my, is my family safe? Gone. 
in one day loses everything. You talking about a loss? Listen to me. I'm talking about losses, failures, and defeats that you've had in your life in the past 12 months. Things that you've lost in whatever area. What a loss. What's David going to do? What's he going to do? Not, not listen, not only is it a loss for David, but notice the attitude of the men with him. Verse 3, so David and his men came to the city, and there it was burned with fire. Notice their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. And then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept. You ever been through a battle like that? Well, you wept, and you just couldn't weep anymore. The sorrow was so deep. The, the, the situation seemed so impossible. I remember the night that my brother Mark, 2, 3 in the morning, and we're standing there at the hospital, me and his son Robert, right down the street here at the hospital. One of the feeling that I had I felt like my heart was in my stomach as they loaded our brother Mark into that helicopter. And as that helicopter flew off to, an to a trauma hospital, and I'm standing there, and I'm standing on the edge of the curb, and my tears are flowing down, and I'm crying to God, and I'm saying, no, 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 this cannot happen. No, I refuse. And I was saying that. No, I refuse this. I do not accept this. In the name of Jesus, no. And even more passionate than that, I restrain myself. You ever had that kind of battle? You ever felt that kind of loss? That's what David is feeling. But it gets worse. Until they, have, they had no power, no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. It's your fault, David. You got us out with this vision. You got us out here trying to fight these battles. Why did you not think the battle through? Why did you not leave enough men here to defend the city? Now we're going to kill you, David. See, David just thought Saul was his problem. Now he's got a whole gang against him. See, I thought only L.A. had gangs. No, the Bible has gangs right here. Notice this. Because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters. But notice this. What you going to do with loss? You're going to cave to it? You're going to give in to it? You're going to give in to the opinions of people? Pressures of people? Anger of people? Notice what David did. He did what we need to desperately do when we face defeat, loss, and losses in our lives. And David, this translation said he strengthened himself in the Lord. The King James, the old King James says, he encouraged himself in the Lord. What does that mean? It doesn't say 
But can I just imagine for a moment? Could I do that just for a moment? What does that mean? That in the middle of all this, in the middle of this incredible loss, wives, children, city burned, plundered, money gone, gold gone, people wanting to stone you, but yet here, David strengthened himself in the Lord. What does that mean? I have to imagine it means something like this. See, we got to forget that there's some things we need to reach for. In our loss, in our defeats, there's some things we need to reach for. What do we need to reach for? We need to reach for something like this. David speaking, Lord, Jehovah, Lord, I remember when I was just a boy, just a Hebrew boy, I was keeping Papa's sheep right there around Bethlehem. And I remember that bear, he came to take the sheep. And Lord, you delivered the bear into my hand. And then a lion. See, Israel used to have lions. They've killed them all off now. But in Bible days, they had lions in Israel. And then one night, a lion roared against that sheep, and I took him, and the power of God came on me, your presence, and I defeated the lion, and I defeated the bear. And, and then one day, I met a big bully named Goliath, and everyone was afraid. But you gave me courage. And not me, but you. Because, Lord, I went against him, not in the name of David, but I went to him against the name of the Lord of hosts. And I defeated him. And, Lord, I look at how faithful you've been to me. I look at how many battles you've won for me. I look at how many miracles you won for me. And all of a sudden, David started thinking about what God had done. And guess what? When you start picking up this word and you start filling your heart with the word of God, guess what? You become, you strengthen yourself in the Lord. And you start turning off the naysayers and turning off what the devil says. And you start turning on what God says. All of a sudden, faith, hear this, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And all of a sudden, faith began to arise. And notice Notice what happens here. Look at verse 7 and 8. And David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech's son, bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. This was an instrument they used when they sought God. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? So now he's doing the right thing. Now he's waiting on the Lord. He said, and then he answered him, Pursue. Notice, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Isn't that the word we want to hear? You've had losses. You've had defeats. But pursue, pursue, strengthen yourself in God. Build up your faith. Pursue. You shall surely recover all is what he says. So look at this. Verse 17 says here these words. And David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. I mean, he's, he's fighting these guys. It's a pretty long fight. Twilight. 
what does it say here? Twilight? To, uh, until the evening of the next day. David's got some fight in him. Do you got any fight in you? Oh, well, I've lost this, and I've lost that, and I've lost this. Do you have any fight in you is what I ask you. I didn't, I didn't ask what you lost. I ask you, do you have any fight in you? Do you have any grit in your soul? Do you have any person? See, because you need endurance. For after you've done the will of God, you're going to recover all. You're going to get what God has promised. Hear this. Unbelief never received anything. Doubt never received anything. Giving up never received anything. But God says, pursue. Pursue my promises. Pursue worship. Pursue faithfulness. God said, you're going to recover. You're going to recover. And he recovered. Then it says here, look at this. Verse 18, and David recovered all from the Amalekites that he carried away. He rescued his two wives. Nothing of theirs was lacking, neither small nor great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. Hear this. Say this with me. David recovered all. Say it. David recovered all. Now, here's what happens a lot of times. Here's what happens. A lot of people get stuck in... They just get fixated on what they've lost. And they, they never change gears to say, I'm getting it back. Now, somebody, somebody stole a trailer from our church. This is a bad church to steal anything from. I, I'm going to tell you, I don't know who that guy is, but he's, that, he will never enjoy that trailer. I promise you, Holy Ghost is going to get on him. He's gonna, every time he looks out there, he's going to get a headache. Something, it's, something's going to break on it. It's not going to work for him. Tire's going to fall off. Things going to, no grease in the hubs. I don't know. It, it, Trinity Life Church is a terrible thing to steal something from, you know, because the Lord's not going to let him enjoy it. Amen. And we're going to get it back some way. Come on, Amen. I don't know, through insurance or something. I'm not saying we, we may not want that one back. Let's get another one. Come on. I'm going to add this, not to the Word of God, but we're going to recover all in, in better shape. Amen? I mean, it wasn't that great. Anyway, I don't want to get it back like it was. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying. I needed something better. Seriously, believe with me. They stole that from the church. Stole our lawnmower. I want it back. Do you want it back? It's our property. We're going to get it back in the name of Jesus. But are you that determined in your own life? Have you lost your joy? Are you going to get it back or are you just going to sit there? Have you lost your health? Well, God's a healer. Have you lost something? God is the one who can let us recover all. And what happens is we get focused on what we've lost we get focused on it, and that's all we talk about. That's all we think about. We wake up in the morning. Oh, look what I've lost. We tell everybody what we've lost. We get on the phone, and we tell everyone what we lost, but I want to start talking about what we're about to get back in Jesus' name. We're about to get it back with interest. We're about to get more back and beyond, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, because our God is a God who can restore things if you'll go to him, if you'll strengthen yourself in the Lord. Here's what, here's what the Hosea 6 and 1 says. Come, let us, now hear this. This is Israel, Joel, I'm sorry, Hosea. Tom, Israel's backslidden away from the Lord. These folks are supposed to be God's people, not living right. Hosea, the prophet's calling them back. And here's, here's what I'm telling you. Hosea 6 and 1, come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn, he, God, God has torn, but he will heal 
He has stricken, but he will bind up. See, when you, when you go away from the promises of God, see, when, when, when you and I said, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Oh, my friend, you think you're just going to walk away and live your life? You think you're just going to do you think you you think a Christian can sin successfully? Oh, my friend, the Lord can take us to the woodshed. Come on, somebody say amen. He can take us to the woodshed. Has the Lord ever taken you to the woodshed? Oh, some of you lying. Some of you very quiet there. Liar, liar, pants on fire right up in here. I'm about to have an altar call. We know what it is when God, God starts dealing with an area of our lives. He's torn, but he heals. When we respond to him and say, Lord, oh, I messed up, Lord. Guess what? He comes with his love, his mercy. And he says, he says, son, daughter, guess what? Yeah, I took that. I allowed that to be taken. But guess what? I'm not just going to give it back. I'm going to give you something better. Come on. That's our God. That's our Jesus. That's what our Jesus can do. We, we need to forget about past losses, defeats. We've all had them. I mean, David, the greatest king of Israel. We, we, God put it right here in the scripture. He lost some stuff, but he got it back. You're going to get it back. And not only get it back, you get it back with a testimony. That's, the, that's a testimony. That's what this book, this book is a testimony of what the Lord can do. He can help you recover. 